a busty blonde brainiac amongst a sea of hoodie donning techies. No, no, this isn't the title of my future autobiography prologue. Okay. This is an in completely intriguing pitch I got from the wonderful and highly accomplished Carla White. So let me tell you guys a little bit about Carla. And then we have the true afternoon delight of having her on Cancel Me Baby to share her story, her views. But get a load of this. Here's a little bit about her backstory, okay? This woman has sat on Oprah's couch, okay? She has worked for entities such as the Pentagon, the Olympics, Microsoft, and you may have heard of it, NASA. Yes, I know you have because we all wish that we were literally residing on Mars right now, but I digress, okay? Something cool about Carla is she was the first woman to launch an iPhone app. And this is a little fun thing that she threw in the pitch that I just love. Carla is a white woman and she has a Chinese husband and people mistake him for the brains behind the operation, right? And assume that he's the brainiac and Carla's like, bitch, I'm over here speaking multiple language, excuse me. I have made my way in the tech world. Like what? I'm sorry. Did you say something? And currently she is the founder and CEO of Hero, H-I-R-O dot F-M, um, which she's going to talk about, which is a great tool for entrepreneurs. So Carla White, welcome to Cancel Me Baby. This is going to be interesting to say the least. Oh, and I'm so excited oh my to God. have you. I have to applaud you on such a great intro, man. You <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> such a great intro. I appreciate that. But your pitch, she, Carla, you guys wrote me up this pitch and Carla, I'm going to tell you this. I literally screenshot and saved it to my phone because it was so clever. It was so impressive. And I was like, this is an aesthetic. Like th this is a vibe. And I just, I saved it as a, almost like a, like a dream board inspo on my phone. So I love what you're about. And I love what you've done. It's like, where do we even start where I do want to jump off Carla? Cause we're going to dig into your story is you had reached me saying, you know, I love what your show's about. And I so appreciate that. Now I have very non, I have very strong opinions about women in business um, and very non woke opinions about it. I don't like the women disempowered. Like we're under the, the fists and thumbs of men, blah, blah. So with that being said, given that you've accomplished so much, tell me why that, if it does, I don't want to speak for you, obviously, um, that idea, you know, speaks to you given your experience. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you kicked off with that because one of the main questions I get is how did you manage to do it as a woman with all these dudes? Right. You know, yeah. like when I was at the Pentagon, I was the woman or the person in the room asked to go get the coffee, go get the notepads, whatever, like you go get it, darling, with a little pat on the butt. Right. But I don't feel like that disempowered me at all because anything that is undercutting you in any way, anything that's kind of, um, hurtful or jabbing at you or anything like that is going to make you stronger. 
So for all the other dudes who weren't getting their butts padded when they, you know, like from 20 to 30 years old, um, they don't have that mindset of, Ooh, I know what I got to do to overcome this. They don't have that push. They don't have that drive. They don't have that, um, ambition to push through that so that nobody else has to deal with that. No other women have to deal with that. And so I don't feel like it's a, a, a disempowerment. I feel like it's something that we have almost going for us because we are strong and we are smart. Did you actually, Carla, get your butt padded or is that just sort of like an expression or that literally would happen? Yeah. Okay. So I'm always nervous about sharing this because it is the Pentagon. Like it is the U S government, right? It's just, it was a $3.5 billion Pentagon program to get rid of nuclear weapons in the former Soviet union. And no big deal. It's fine. You know, just, you know, your average well, job, guys, but what Carla, what was your position there? Exactly. Yes. So, so they hired me to help with this program, uh, getting equipment. So we would spend a whole bunch of money by millions of dollars worth of equipment, send it over to Kazakhstan, Ukraine, Belarus, uh, Russia. And, um, most of the time it got confiscated by the Russian mafia and sold on the black market. And so we just go buy more, send it over. And so my job was that logistics part, like how can we get it to the actual people who were going to dismantle the nuclear weapons? Um, back to the pat on the butt. Yeah, that did happen. I complained about it. They had me go to see a therapist so that, and I was 20, I was like, such I was a gonna nice ask little girl. I'm like, her, yeah. yeah, okay, I'll go see a therapist. And the therapist's like, you're bringing it on. But then it's on my record that I was seeing a therapist. And so there's a lot of stuff that happens in DC that, you know, we don't even know about. But um, do you think that that is the kind of thing that happens now to a lesser degree, even worse? Because now yeah. obviously it's the whole me too era. So I just think like how calculating and manipulative to be like, we're going to send her to a therapist, then it's going to be on her record. So we're all going to know. Right. Yeah. I I'm, I'm curious to know. I don't, I would assume to some degree, depending on the individual, I had, uh, all my female friends there who were working for congressmen or, um, different, I don't know, different, really strong organizations. They dealt with the exact same thing. Like it was, there was one congressman from uh, Texas. He hired some really cute girls to work with him and they were called Charlie's angels. And uh, yeah, they went through all of that. It was just part of the process and you keep quiet, you deal with it. You know, is there an aspect of it that's almost like it's powerful men, right? We see it in politics, mm -hmm. entertainment, tech. Is there an aspect, do you think, to where it's almost like if you can't beat them, join them, like be better at their own game, right? Well, yeah, that's why you see a lot of these women who are powerful sort of shed their femininity, don't they? they, they become masculinate themselves and uh, become part of that culture. And I did it myself. Right. And you do it because you don't want to draw attention to that aspect of yourself, which is a super powerful aspect that you're letting go of. 
you know, I find, and I've been realizing this more in my own life. I've talked about it a lot on my show. I've talked about it with, you know, actresses on my show, how women's that's the, that's the twist, right? Like women's secret weapon is our, obviously like our, our, how savvy we are and our cunningness, but also our sexuality because men don't mm -hmm. have that. Like, I'm sorry, no dude with a beer gut is going to compete with what we got Carla. Right. And the twisted thing is, you know, women downplay that to be taken more seriously. Right. Like I know I have in my past, I look at what I used to wear mm -hmm. on red carpets and I used to think it was so sexy at the time. And I look at it now and I'm like, why was I dressed like Little House on the Prairie, right? Because of that aspect, because I wanted to be taken seriously as a smart journalist. Now, I want your take on this because I had an actress on my show recently. We talked about this and she was like, men always taught me. Men always taught me that that's how I had to be to be taken seriously, like buttoned up. Now, I feel like it's a combination of things. I certainly feel like it was men's way of like, boxing away our power because they know that they can't compete. But I also feel like women perpetuate it. Even my mom, right? Taylor, mm -hmm. dress like this, dress classy, dress like a lady, right? So how do you see it? Like what fuels that fire uh, or what, you know, perpetuates that, right? Well, I don't know about you, but me personally, when I see a woman who just embraces her sexuality so much. And what the person who comes to mind is, I can't think of her name. She's on a, a coach. I think that's the name of the show on uh, Apple TV, okay. the, the coach that coaches, uh, the American coach that coaches football oh, over Ted in England. Lasso, the woman in Ted Lasso. Yes, Ted Lasso. And then the woman in there, she right. embraces her right. feminine power right. so much. And that is what, I mean, honestly, if that I mean, is think about model. Cleopatra, like yes. starting world wars. It's fine. You know what I mean? Like that's the, the, the power. Right. And that's why I take issue with this sort of the woke ideology of how women are innately suppressed in all of this, because I like you like to flip it on its head and go, let's use the tools in our kit and, you know, overcome and I love, I want to bring it back to a point you made earlier, which was, you know, you talk about, you know, getting coffee and all this for that. And, then, and were you in that role where we're like the secretary type of thing? Or you, you said you dealt with the logistics. So you were in the nitty no, gritty. Yeah. So I had uh, two, two master's degrees, spoke multiple languages, and they hired me on to help with logistics. But the truth of it was, is I didn't like, I didn't get invited to the meetings. If I did, it was okay. as a secretary. I, okay. I, and, and, okay. and they needed to check a box, right? We need to have so many women on the payroll to just like for all the things. And well, that's what I wanted to, to dig into with you is like, again, just getting in there and overcoming like I know for me and it's a relevant current example that hits close to home um obviously I have you know big ambitions to have a, almost be like a, a Bill Maher right and the Emmys just happened this week and the nominees for the talk show granted like whatever they're on their whole other thing over there these people right like this says everything you need to know but the nominees for talk show host was literally 
you may as well have like cloned them. Honey, I shrunk the kids, some Austin Powers freezing, you know, system here. Because it's literally like John Oliver, Trevor Noah, Jimmy Kimmel, um, who's yet Stephen Colbert. And I just roll my eyes and I'm like, mm-hmm. number one, all men, right? But also like all people who have the exact same points of view and boring. And I thought to myself as a woman, this is where we get, and you talk about like the filling a quota, right? And now we're seeing that to the nth degree across industries. And I thought about it and I don't want women to be nominated, right? Or given things just because they're a woman. So it's like, let's take it a step beyond that, right? Like why, why aren't women say in this particular case, right? Like given talk shows, is it the gatekeepers making the decisions, right? And they keep hiring what they know and staying in the box versus Mm -hmm. you guys need to nominate more women. It's like, well, where are all the women doing it? Right. And even like in, in your, in tech, like what's the line of being recognized and given accolades versus filling a quota versus where are the women doing it? Right. Yeah. Well, where are the women first off? And also who is in charge of picking this stuff or who's selecting this based on what data, like I kind of feel what the subjects that you're talking about, which is mass media cable. The only people with cable or even TV these days are an older generation. So all these programs are trying to cater to the market. That's actually turning on the TV rather than watching everything through their phones. And so I, what I, I, I don't know, I don't have a crystal ball, but I kind of feel like once that wave of baby, baby boomers sort of subsides and the TV industry changes drastically, from weather channels, news, whatever, we're going to start seeing different media published because there's a new generation, a new thought wave. All right, now let's go into my industry, which is tech. And um, I laugh because I just recently tried to get an award for bootstrap of the year uh, with this company. And so basically you have to have self-funded your business, your tech business completely without any VC, anything like that. So I'm like, okay, I'm in a, I'm a shoe in. I know I got this at least a nomination and everybody who was nominated a guy who had capital and a strong backing, like every single one of them. So I see it as an opportunity. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to create my own awards and it's going to be not just for women, for both genders, but Hey, you have had to have started a business plus raise a family plus book, all the holidays, plus book, all the sports, all the things like you have to have done multiple things to achieve this, not just have a whole bunch of dudes backing you up and you win. Like you had to have come overcome something to get to where you're at. And I don't think that part is recognized enough. Like they pick the easy, easy wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that idea that you bring up again of, you know, how in times it's not easy, but you make it work in your favor. Like, do the extra legwork, right? And create your own. I say it all the time. It's like, 
even with this, right? Seeing these categories, seeing this as much as it frustrates me, it's like, okay, instead of like complaining about it, what can I do? What can I create in my own lane to, to your point Mm -hmm. of what you just said, talk to me about, cause you, you are, you were the first woman to come out with an iPhone app. So talk to me about hurdles with that journey. (laughs) So that was really interesting because, uh, when I decided to make the app, I reached out to a guy who I knew he knew how to do it. He made a tiny little app. And so I'm like, Hey, will you help me with this? And gave him all the money I had to pay him to help me develop it. And he got partway through and he's like, you know what? Apps are going to be a fly by the night sort of thing. Nobody's going to be using them by next year. It's just like something the media latched onto. And that was like 2007. And I thought, well, you know, I'm just going to take a chance. And I found a guy to build it for me, launched it, hoping one person would download it. Well, the interesting thing was, and this is where our opportunity is women, is there was my app. It was a gratitude journal and it was there in the app store next to like, uh, I think there was one where you could like turn the phone upside down and clothes would fall off a woman, uh, a beer one, a fart one, uh, you know, like all the typical dude, all the things like the little boys would want. But can I just say like, is that not a peek into the woman versus the male psyche, like on a biological, right? Like (laughs) I always say, like, imagine being in a dude's brain for a day. Like how do they even, they can't function without us. So that's number one. I always say that, but like, just imagine, like imagine what even like got, you know, they're, they're pure, you know, not pure, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And you're so right. I mean, before raising two boys, I kind of thought, well, this is, you know, society has kind of changed them into being like this. And after having two boys, I swear the first one, his first two words were faster and bigger. And <laughs> like, I could learn something from this actually. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing is, is they, they, um, I don't know if this is a male trait, but they also really think what they create is spectacular when it's not like they don't notice no, the so details. True. Yeah. And, and that's what I so mean. Like that's... how simple, how simple minded they like men, no offense. You know that I love most of you, but yes. like how simple mind, that's what I mean. It's like, Oh, this thing's the best ever. Oh, like what, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just like, how, cause you know, we're so complicated as women. Like we take it to the next level. We, yes. We have complexities. And so like, you guys don't even know, like you don't <laughs> even know, but it's what makes it so great too. But yes, it's like the, the simple, like just, you know, the simple things in life for men, I feel like are just really, that's their way of living. Must be nice, but must yeah. be nice, you know, like a beer and, you know, a hot chick, call it a day. <laughs> yes. And that's a, enough. A good exactly. game. Yeah. yeah. So your app. Um, so those, so that was basically your competition. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but the cool thing is, is, uh, when I, when that dude backed out and told me to just give it up, I went on Twitter because back in the day that all, there was no Instagram, nothing, no Facebook. It was, uh, just Twitter was the only one. And I went on Twitter and I'm like, Hey, who can help me? I'm going to figure this out. And because I was a woman with all these dudes that were, uh, trying to figure out how to make apps a lot of them reached out and wanted to help me, 
which was cool. Now, here's something really important with what we're talking about is there are men out there that really want to see women exceed. Like if you think about Kobe Bryant, what he was trying to do with uh, women's basketball, there are men in every industry that really want to see women succeed. And you got to find those guys. You know, that is so funny. And you are so reading my mind. I have notes here about where we're headed with, with web three um, and that, you know, the shape-shifting landscape, but also a note I had in here is exactly what you just said, right? Like, I love your idea of seeing a male saturated marketplace and using it as fuel to motivate you, whether in tech, whether your time at the Pentagon, whether me looking at these late night hosts dominating, right? Yeah. And a question I was going to ask you is your experience now with male, whether it be in all of the arenas that you worked male versus female competition mm. and what you notice, because I feel like a lot of this is, again, goes against a woke talking point, but a lot of conversations I have behind the scenes with women in all different industries say how men have actually had their back more, given them more opportunity mm. because women be, can be so territorial and competitive. So talk to me about your experience with that, if it's been balanced and what you've yeah. noticed. So in the corporate world, like with Microsoft and, um, NASA, gosh, I'm trying to think back because it's been a while. I've had my own business for a while. Um, the, the men definitely had my back, but my play back then was, I was always at the bar with them late at night, cracking the jokes, right? Like I held nothing, uh, the dirty jokes, all the things like, and they thought that was so cool that there was this chick there that like stayed up until 2 a.m. cracking the jokes. And because I was one of the guys, I would get the promotions. I would get, that's just how the game was played. I don't, I it's been a minute since I've been in corporate America, but that's how the game was. Played. It was like, again, if you can't beat them, join them and be better. But was that like natural for you? Or did you feel like you had to, or were you like, no, this is fun. <laughs> no, I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. Go, Carla, it go. Fun. I mean, yeah, yeah. And you know, there wasn't any sort of slimy si side stuff going sure. on or anything like that. Sure. It was just all uh, more like, I don't know, friends chatting. And so because of this, they gave me positions to be over in London for 10 years. They gave me, you know, really amazing opportunities. Now, did the women do that as well? What I feel like is there just weren't enough spaces slotted for women. So when I got those opportunities, rumors would start things like, you know, there was a lot of backstabbing and, um, yeah, I just, it was scary what the women would do. Not all, some were super supportive, but it didn't take many, right? I think it's kind, right. And I think in some ways, I think that it's, now I can speak from the media world vantage point. I think in some ways it's gotten better because we're more aware of it, but I'm going to bring it back to what you were talking about earlier. I think the other half of it is that it's gotten worse because women are losing their kind of nurturing femininity to try to be like a guy and be like, mm -hmm. I'm going to be better in this way. And that's not what I mean by beat them at their own game kind of thing. Like, again, I like the idea of women standing in their own, um, like power that's different than, than a man's, but 
that is what I found is that they would often act in a way that was trying to emulate a guy. And it's like, it's just not the same. Right. Like, yeah, it ain't, it, it ain't it's working. so true. It's yeah. And, uh, uh, I think also a lot of these opportunities, like me staying late until 2 AM in the morning, I don't in like having dinners with some of the, the mentors that I had and things like that. I don't know if that would happen now because they're so nervous about, me too, or anything like, and sure. like if, if that person got overlooked for something, what would retaliate out of that? So sure. I, I think things have changed in that regard as well. And I think that there's a line, right? Like, I don't want to get misconstrued to be like, Oh, it's a wild west with this lady. Anything goes like, obviously what's not okay is not okay. But I think like, look, physical appearance and no matter what, like anybody with a pulse and with eyes, like it is power because it is the first thing we see. It is our first impression of somebody. So while it shouldn't be anything goes and some things aren't appropriate or acceptable or okay, I think that underneath it all playing with that and that sort of like manipulation, maybe in the workplace, right, is not to be overlooked (laughs) because you know what I mean? That that is power in and of itself, I think. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So Carla, tell us about what you did briefly at, we know what you did at the Pentagon. Tell us what you did for the Olympics, NASA and Microsoft. Okay. So, and what is the timeline of all of this? Yeah. So the Olympics and I'm going to date myself, but the Olympics was in, uh, uh, Atlanta. So that was 96 and I was a translator for the Olympics, uh, cause I speak fluent German. And so I had to translate for the German athletes, which was like nothing because they all spoke English. So I just basically <laughs> went to all the games and hung out. Um, Can I interject, And then Carla? after that, what that? I just want to interject. What mm-hmm. made you want to just pick up all these languages nonchalantly? Oh, gosh. So I was at uh, university. I, I left home like the day after I graduated from high school, I just didn't like any, anyway, that's a long story, but anyway, left home and got myself into college. Cause my, I, I was told that I wouldn't amount to anything. And, but I'm like, I'm going to do this. I got myself into college. Uh, but those voices in the back of my head that you're not cut out for this got stronger and stronger and stronger. And so I almost dropped out of college. Um, a friend of mine says to me, look, Carly, you're always hanging out with all the foreign exchange students. Why don't you go study over in Europe? And I'm like, okay, I don't speak any languages. I'm about ready to drop out. I have no money. Um, all these, like, this is the craziest idea, but again, she planted that seed and let's fast forward a year and a half later. I, uh, was on a plane for the very first time in my life to go live in Germany for a year. Uh, cause I got a scholarship to study over there. I worked my ass off and got a scholarship. And so I lived over there and learned the language and, um, just absolutely fell in love with Europe, all the things and came back and got, uh, two or three, uh, two undergraduates, um, and two graduates degrees, no, three undergraduates, two graduate degrees all in like a year and a half. Like I burnt myself out. Um, and then ended up at the Pentagon, for a little while. Okay. Got You're burnt like out Forrest there. Gump, I feel like, like you, <laughs> you are literally, it's like the, the coolest thing. 
Yeah, I, my nickname growing up was Crazy Carla because I don't think about all the repercussions or all those things. It's like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Let's try it. Or limitations. Like even your yeah. thing about learning the different languages, how you're like, I have no money. I don't know these language. What am I going to do abroad? And again, like the idea of even in business and work and whatever it is, like turning those limitations or setbacks or no's into like, I'm going to do it and I'm going to actually thrive at it and be, you know, yeah. Yeah. That's so yeah. cool. And, but if you're young and listening to this, take risks. That's like the biggest thing, like take huge, 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 huge risks. And, uh, cause it'll pay back 10 times. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, that's how I ended up learning languages. And I learned one really quickly. So I'm like, well, what else can I learn? And I didn't learn the others as well, but so then you turn out translating for the Olympics and you did that mm -hmm. for, for one Olympic year. Yeah. No, I only did it for one, um, okay. for like three months and then okay. found myself living out of my car and, um, to eat, I would have to eat leftovers from plates. I, I, I would bust tables at a restaurant, uh, for, for basically to eat the leftovers. I mean, I was so broke because I had all these student loan debts and oh. I couldn't get another, I couldn't figure out like, what am I going to do for another job? I didn't get hired again by the Olympic committee. So I was pounding the pavement looking for a job and all the money I made had to go to the student loan debt. And so I just lived out of my car, um, <laughs> like for sent out long? my, um, it was a few months. Yeah. It was a few months. And then I tucked my tail between my leg and drove back to my parents' place and lived with them for a little bit. And, um, I had like five bucks in my pocket. Like I, I feel no like that in and of itself shows your gumption because before you even went to your parents, you were like, no, I'm going to live out of my <laughs> own car first. <laughs> like I am such a woman of principle when I had to go back home because of the pandemic, I, was truly distraught because like you, I'm so hell bent on making my way in the world, being independent, not relying on other people doing what I want to do. And I never in a million years. Um, and it was a huge hit to my ego, everything. And it took a while to pick myself up as I'm sure, you know, in your situation, same thing, but I so appreciate you you know, it's like the pitch that you sent me that I screenshot and saved to my phone. I always, you know, being an entrepreneur, revisit stories like yours because we are in such a time of instant gratification and mm. it's social media messes it up with so many things, right? You see someone's body, it looks perfect, which let me tell you that shit is really hard work, right? Get, like getting the body that, that you want, because I've been on this journey. It is hard work, mm -hmm. work aspect, right? We see these people, whether it be social media, whatever, blow up overnight. And I just think it's such a false reality because there is so much grit. And whenever I'm down, I think of stories like yours and I'm like, okay, well, if they overcame, you know, mm -hmm. so can I, and I think it's really important. I think it's why shows like shark tank are so huge and resonate with a lot of people, because you hear these stories of people who literally give the clothes off their back to make their vision work. And it's just such a, 
dichotomy of this again like instant gratification world that we're in that's that's so messes up messes up our psyche in so many ways i think you hit it on the head because the instant gratification that we look that we've been trained to look for is within our immediate future when you and i what we're doing or anybody who is sort of putting their neck out there you aren't going to see it this generation and it's for the next group of women that are coming through and mind you you are impacting a lot of other people whether you know it or not you are impacting so many people if you put your voice or message or anything out there you are showing other people what they're capable of doing as well and that's huge yeah. And it's a hard, as I'm sure it is for you. I mean, I know it's been a long time, so I don't know if it's still a difficult thing to share, but again, it's, it's also an, an ego thing because even with me, like I would tell myself I've been front row at the Emmys. I've like, you have sat down with Oprah, which I want to talk to you about. Like I've done, I've traveled the world to Marvel movie sets. How am I near and now home in, you know, Connecticut suburbs, right? Like, it's just, it's really, you know, it's, and, and people don't share that people mm -hmm. don't share that, but that's what it takes. Like, and I, there's other things that I've done that I haven't even shared, you know, prostitution not included yet, but like, you know, it's important for people to know because it's not all what you see on social media, you know? Oh, so important because like, what is shown as a highlight reel? We hear that so many times, but what is the hardest is when you take those 10 steps backwards. Like you're, yeah. you're like, oh my God, I sat in this boardroom. I made it. I arrived. Why am I back here? What did I do to mess up? And I always feel like, well, because honey, your boxing gloves aren't big enough. You got to sit back. You got to learn a new fight. Because what's coming ahead is bigger, 10 times so bigger true. than what you did before. And so get ready. And you know, it's a, it's a cycle because I talked about before the power of visuals in real life, how it's the first thing that we see on social media. I don't know about you, but it just takes seeing one per like I could be on the biggest high from something I accomplished. It takes seeing one person's thing. And suddenly like the wind is taken out of my sails and I all like feel like shit. Meanwhile, I'll have pe people reaching me being like, oh my God, look at you doing this and that. And I feel like really stagnant. And I'm like, it is just really the merry-go-round from hell that never ends, right? It, it's probably the best way to develop your psyche and your self-confidence, everything. Because you're, like you said, you're taking blows from both sides. You're either getting compliments and then you're getting insults and you, you know, people are trying to take you down while the other people are like trying to raise you up. And it's really crazy on your mind. It really is. Cause you yeah. don't know what to think of yourself. Well, hence why so many people right now suffer from so much anxiety and, mm. and needing therapy and so many things. Cause it's like, our brains aren't wired. I don't think to handle all of this, you know? Um, okay. Mm -hmm. So pivoting. So the Olympics, so also you have NASA and Microsoft under your belt. Yeah. So, so Microsoft happened after I was living out of my car, I, uh, ended up working for a tech company that quickly got acquired by Microsoft. So I kind of ended up in the back door yeah. and that's when I was doing the late night parties with the guys and whatnot. Okay. And 
Uh, they sent me over to London. They sent me um, Paris, Middle East, South America, Asia, India, all over the world for like 10 years. I just got to travel first class. But Carla, how does one go from living in their car to that? Like, again, this is the nitty gritty. I feel like people don't get into, but like, how did you get yourself on your feet again? And talk to me about, like, take me back in that moment, literally, like you are living out of your car. What is going on in your head? Right. You didn't know all of this would ultimately unfold, but what was going on in your head that was keeping you literally getting up every morning and continuing to <laughs> continuing you know, to like keep I on have to laugh on. because now that I think about it I think it's one thing and it was trying to impress a guy <laughs> I know what? it sounds <laughs> hold on so you're in your you're living out of a car you have clothes in oh. your car and this guy was a multi, multi-millionaire living in London or living in New York City. Oh my gosh, this story, I never share it. So um, when I was living out of my car, my friend, uh, old roommate in DC, she sent me a handmade card, a card that she just designed herself for my birthday. And it said, for your birthday, I'm giving you the man of your dreams. He's like this millionaire, rides Harleys, blah, blah, blah. And so I uh, call her and I'm like, that is so cute. That's so funny. And she goes, no. And th- mind you, this is before match.com, all the, you know, Tinder and all those things. She's like, no, that's a real personal ad I found in a, um, I don't know, newspaper or something. So I'm like, okay, let's, let's write in or let's call or whatever. And so long story short, he flies me to New York. I'm hanging out with him. This is like when I still had only five bucks in my pocket, like okay. last dollars and we're uh, it's, it was crazy. I'm like, why am I doing this when I have no money, but, uh, flew back and I was like, how can I impress him? So that, and I was living out of my car, <laughs> but we're still really good friends today. <laughs> Is that so funny? So by impress him, do you mean that you didn't want to be home with your parents? Like you wanted to seem like you were on your own, but he didn't want to get a good career. Did. I wanted, and, and back then I was such a, a, a young girl. I uh, um, wanted to do pretty much like all the things that he did. I wanted to accomplish all the things that he did. So then he would see me as an equal. Interesting. So it's that idea of, again, of it motivating you. So mm-hmm. you're in your car and you're like, but I'm going to get out of it. And this is how, and if I stay in this situation, like it's going to motivate me even more to be that. Yeah. So I ended up getting a really good career, uh, jet setting, moved over to London. Then he moved over to London after I did. And uh, we just were still really, really good friends. It was, he really influenced me a lot. You know, there's something to be said here as well. I talk about the underlying components of our biology, our psyches, how our brains work. And you said it like in a coy way, like to impress a guy. But, but it goes both ways. It's almost like, is there nothing to be ashamed about that? Because it's what I said earlier, right? Like the power that we have on them as well. Mm-hmm. How much guy you're standing at a bar and a guy's nervous to come up to you to buy you a drink. Like guys, they think with their dicks and everything revolves around that. Right? Like, and it could go both ways. Like even being like, I want to impress, you know, I wanted to impress a guy. It's like, I think that there's something so primal about that, that goes both ways. 
you know? Yeah. And it'll motivate the heck out of you. I um, picked up a really bad habit while I was living in Germany, which was smoking, not a lot, just like party smoker. And he was a, an Olympic runner or no, he was a uh, marathon runner. Sorry. And um, so what did I do? I ran a marathon. Like I, I want to impress him. So I ran the New York city marathon to impress him. That is, how did it feel? Um, to run it. Yeah. <laughs> to like accomplish it, it and do it. Very, very cathartic. Like I yeah. came out of that a different person. Like if you, and that's all of this, like if I can do this, if I can learn another language, I can get a master's. If I can get a master's, I can go work at the Pentagon. If I can work at like, it's, you're always, it's just one upping the last thing I did. That's it. And you know, I love how you're like, he motivated me to do a marathon and I did it and it felt great. And I feel like that that's another like woke thing that I go against. It's like to them, it's like, well, no, 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 no. Like you, even like I talk about in media, right? The idea of like having male directors or seeing women as sexy or in the male gaze and playing up attributes of ourselves that men are going to naturally be drawn to. And it's that same idea. Like we've gotten to a place where it's like, no, no, like we have to like get away from all that or not acknowledge it or go against it. Or even like someone I could hear a woke person being like, oh, she ran a marathon and impressed a guy. Like it should be about what you want, girl. Like I did it for myself, blah, blah. And there's truth in that, right? We can do things for ourselves. But I know that when I dress up, right, for my attributes and getting checked out and I feel good, it's like your marathon thing. Like I feel good, right? Yeah. Sometimes we can feel, and same with men. Like if men- get there. I'm talking on a physical aspect now, not all of your amazing accomplishments. It goes for that as well. But if a man, like they, they know if they get like looking good and toned and wearing a hot outfit and women are like touching their arms, they're going to like that too. Right. So it's like, why get away from, why get away from that? It's like, it's just the gift that keeps on giving. And sometimes it just works, you know, whatever motivates you, but also understand like when I was doing all this, the female influencers were not there. There was nothing, right? It was a very white male dominated marketplace. We didn't have social media. We had nothing. And so, um, we didn't know, like we, a lot of people just don't know. And it goes back to instead of instant gratification, look at the long-term effect you're going to have on so many people by taking these chances and being motivated and doing all these things that people are saying, look, you can't do that. You're not cut out for that. So how did you literally go from being at your folks to, like you said, being sent all around the world? Like how did that happen? So, um, when I was living out of my car, I was sending resumes. Like that was what you did. You sent a pay, like a physical paper in the mail to all these businesses. I think I sent out maybe 10, 20 a day to anybody. And I found this business that was in North Dakota. I'm like, okay, I'm originally from South Dakota. I'll send them a resume. And they called up and they're like, Hey, do you have a valid passport? Do you want to travel? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? But you talk about visualization when I was living out of my car, I was in Georgia. It was nice and warm. One of the things I would do is they have these beautiful covered bridges and I would go at night 
when it was dark and quiet and I would go sit by those covered bridges and watch the water and I would just see what I wanted to do. Like, what did I want my life to be like? And I know it may sound a little bit of, you know, woo woo, whatever, but I feel like that guided me to what I needed to do to make it happen. So I spent a lot and I still do. I visualize where I want to go because you can, you can see it negative or positive and your life will go either way. Mm -hmm. You know, believe that you can't and you'll prove it true. Believe that you can, you'll prove it true too. So no, we love a woo-woo moment. I am, (laughs) you are speaking to my, you said my show speaks to your soul. What you said speaks to my soul. I meditate, I envision. And you know, if we're going to get woo-woo, they say that if you have these ambitions, if you have these thoughts, if you envision how your life is going to be, it's, it's like time isn't linear and it's, it's yours. It just hasn't happened yet. That idea, right? Like you wouldn't dream it if you, if it's not yours, if you wouldn't have it, like you were born to have it for a reason, right? Yeah. Otherwise it just passed. Like, it'd feel like what a ham sandwich, you know, just as interesting as that big deal. Right. But if it captures your interest, follow that. And the cool thing is, is like so many times we're trying to push this big boulder up a hill, or we're trying to go against the grain on things. And I feel like if you just find the things that are super easy, that's the way to go. But we've been so trained that it should be hard. It should be a struggle. It needs, if it isn't a struggle, you're not going to get the right reward. It's I, I, find myself, I fall victim to that all the time. Sometimes I'm like, am I making my life 10 times harder than it needs to be? Because it's, it's that idea. It's like, no, I need to do this because then one day, once I get all this success and get it all, I can say, Hey, I did this, or I was at rock bottom or whatever, you know? And yeah, that that's true. That's a pitfall that I definitely probably unnecessarily put myself and I I, going back to the guys I feel like they do this better because they're kind of lazy right (laughs) I'll just take that's what I mean I'll do it like because they just do not care as much as we do about anything (laughs) yeah and so they're just like they do but don't it's weird it's like it's that it's like that thing again it's like simplified right it's like I have the idea it's the best idea and this is how it's gonna go and women we overthink and we think about all the stuff that could go into it right yeah Mm -hmm. but I also feel like maybe that is I thought about this a lot and maybe that is a part of Aside from what you're saying, how the past has been laid out, the structures that be, the powers that be, right? How it has been a patriarchal thing. But I also think that there's an aspect of it to where men are so simple that the, they they don't overcomplicate it and they think their idea is the shit. They go in and they just ask for a raise, right? Where again, women hold ourselves back. We overthink it and it's, you know, a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. There's a a fine balance between the two. And I feel like if you can combine the two forces, that's your sweet spot. Like don't overthink it, but make what they, the crap they created better. Mm -hmm. Like just add your essence to it and you'll, you'll succeed. And NASA. (laughs) What happened at NASA? We need to know what is going on over there. Well, they weren't letting me fly the rockets, unfortunately. But the cool thing was, is they had these really super complicated interfaces. 
And my job was to like dumb them down so that it was like, push this button if you need this and push this button if you need that. So that's what really got me into designing apps and things like that is having to understand, okay, what is it that we naturally would do in a situation? How, how are our brains like naturally going to react and what, how should we design these really complicated interfaces so that when Katrina hits and there's a disaster, they can get the information they need so that they can save the people and get them out there and bring in the troops and all the other things. So. Okay. So if you're watching this, which instead of listening, which you best be, I always recommend watching my nipples are literally doing the Macarena. Like they are hard and excited because you Carla are everything I'm about. You are this blonde, you're beautiful. And you are so impressive and clearly smart. You have a knack for tech. You've done all of these things. And I wonder, because this is what I I love too. Like I love being a busty blonde like yourself and then surprising people because they're Mm -hmm. like, holy crap, she is so accomplished. She has all these ideas and she thinks like this and she can articulate them like that. And she's a writer in your case, you've done all of this work in tech for these huge entities. What do you think it is that makes us associate busty women, blonde women with maybe not being very bright. Why does it surprise? Why do people like us surprise people so much? Like, what is the core of that? Yeah, that's such a, well, you know, there's, you know, back to Marilyn Monroe and all the Hollywood uh, characters, obviously, you know, that played a huge part in how we see certain people like my husband, right? He, people expect him to play the violin and you know, be really good at, I don't know, Kung Fu or something. And he's just not right. He doesn't do either one of those. So we have these stereotypes, but um, I feel a lot of times I will fall into that character a lot too, just so that I don't challenge people. I am such a people pleaser sometimes. And that's another female fault is that, okay, if I'm articulating my intelligence and it goes against what you naturally will see in me, I will dumb that down so that I don't intimidate you. So you feel comfortable around me. And that is a huge thing that I've been spending a lot of time trying to overcome because that stereotype will stick around until we redefine it. And, you know, when we see other people who are other women who are crushing it in tech and all those other things, they aren't normally looking like Marilyn Monroe with their tits out and, you know, looking hot, hot and awesome. They're beautiful, mind you, but they also dress apart. And see, that's where I wonder where it derives from. Is it men Mm -hmm. explicitly saying do this to be treated as such? Or is it women self-imposing it being like, well, again, I have to look like this for this role. Because when you tap into two, like a woman in tech with their tits out, who's smart, uh, goddess, like there is nothing, there is nothing more powerful than that. So it really makes me wonder, maybe it's a marriage of the two. Maybe it's, you know, both things at play here. Well, okay. So I have, I've spent a fair amount of my time in tech boardrooms, trying to get VC capital, all the things. And you got to look the Steve Jobs part 
you gotta, you know, their brain just isn't going to bend that far. If you want to get them to take you seriously, you are stupid because if they did play up what we're talking about, they would run the world even more than I know they already do, but you know what I mean? Like it would just yes. be the roof is blown off this place. No holds bar. Like if they were smart, they would actually do that and not have everyone wearing, you know, turtlenecks. <laughs> like I know, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. Because the, that energy is yeah. strong. It is a creative yeah. energy and what is business all about, but creation. And so the more you filter that into a business and let it thrive, the greater that business will be. Like if we're going to get philosophical and biological again, think about like women creation, giving birth, all that makes us feminine, right? It's like, why put a lid on that? Even when I was getting ready Mm -hmm. for this interview, a song that empowers me lately is Doja Cat's Woman. And there's a line in it where she's like, worship my hips and my waist. And by the way, I'm going to go over here and run a business. And I'm also going to create life and be mom. Like there is nothing. And men can't compete with that. And they know that. Mm-hmm. And I wish more mm-hmm. women knew that too. Yeah. And that goes back to the prizes and the awards I want to give because the women can do so many more things. Like yeah. we can multitask. We can do like we, I mean, we talked about how we're perfectionists, but at the same breath, there's so many things we can do in one moment. And that is super powerful. I mean, even Carla, did you hear the whole thing about the Finland prime minister who caught heat because she it's, she's a woman. And again, I want to talk to you about Oprah. And of course, Oprah is the quintessential, like buttoned up lady, like smart, like that whole thing. And what more, you know, role of a woman in society that it's pigeonholed in this is politicians, right? Even like Kamala mm-hmm. Harris and the, 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 the suits and the whole thing. So you have this Finland prime minister, like young woman, pretty, and she's out caught like partying and dancing on camera. And she got so much heat. And it's like, what is this about? Like, number one, it makes me think if a man would get the same heat, but moreover, mm-hmm. like who cares? Who cares? Like, it's not like she's over here in a Coke den doing jelly, you know, b- belly shots. You know what I mean? Like, which would be quickly forgiven or patted on the back. You know, you, exactly. you look at some and of the things like, that guys do and they get the pat on the back where women get the, but it's like, who cares? Like, who cares if she's out dancing, having a good time, like a person of the people, like, do you not, mm-hmm. do you want them to be robots? You know? So that was unfortunate yeah. to see. It's like, who cares? Well, yeah, they do want them to be robots because they don't want to get a hard on while they're working in an office with them because then that goes against their whole moral creation and everything else. And I got to go home to my wife and kids yet. I work with this woman who I can't think in front of her. That's a really good point of why it's, it is boxed away. Mm. That's like, it is. And so then us women, it goes back to me as well. Like, I don't want to appear like I'm smarter. I don't want to appear like, and so we do that in front of the guys because we don't want to make them get the boner because then it's our fault, right? If they got the boner, it's our fault because we brought it on. And anyway, oh, I do. I'm like, I want to <laughs> literally blow you away by my brains and you can look at my tits while I'm doing it and left you literally and leave you in a hypnotized, mesmerized trance. Like good luck getting out of that coma. That is like my, <laughs> my, my daily goal. Um, we're, I know we're running out of time. What do you think Carla of the pay wage 
gap debate. Mm -hmm. Um, I know it may not be your expertise, but again, it's something that is both sides see so differently. I feel like the Mm -hmm. left and the mainstream and woke, they see it again as women are innately paid less, right? Whereas if you Mm -hmm. listen to people on the right, i.e. a Candace Owens, I've seen her break it down and go, okay, let's really look at this. Maybe it's because women are in different fields. Women Mm -hmm. are attracted to different types of work than men. Men are going to be in finance and business and tech, whereas women may be over here doing this kind of thing, right? What do you think, um, what have you seen and where do you fall on that debate? Yeah, they both have truth to it, right? There's women who are going into careers. Now, I've been in fields where my equal has been a man, right? Like the, the person who has the exact same title, everything as me has a, is a male. And, um, there has been times when I was making more than the guy and boy, did that cause problems. I mean, that guy blew up when he discovered that I was making more than him. There's just no way should that happen. Now, my advice to anybody male or female and i wish i would have known this when i was living out of my car is learn two skills two skills learn how to speak and learn how to sell because everything you're going to do in life is going to be revolving around those two whether you're a a scientist or a journalist or whatever it is you're going to be selling yourself you're going to be selling your ideas you're going to be selling but if you learn how to articulate your ideas and share them in a way that gets people to buy into them and then learn how to sell yourself or sell something. You'll never have to worry about money again. If you invest highly, you spend a year really focusing on those two things. And how do you learn how to speak? You get a show, you start a podcast, you just keep doing it and you repeat, repeat, repeat. I mean, you and I didn't know how to speak because we're taught like in school, don't talk, right? I mean, unless you've taken and practice over and over again. So you think that when it comes to the pay gap, Mm. is there, there is one, there isn't. And the derivatives are a combination of, again, what you just said, right? Like how we think about how we speak, how men will come in and their egos and then titled to be like, I mowed all this money. Whereas women are like, okay, like, right. What's going on there? What's everything? Yeah, no, I I think women, well, I don't know what men are, but uh, I know myself and none of the women I've been around know how to negotiate a salary. Like we don't know how to ask for the money. We don't know how to sell ourselves on it. We aren't given, like we aren't told, like I got two master's degrees. Never once was I taught how to go into a room and negotiate something. So true. So you've got to learn that. And I feel like guys, just are like, yo, dude, you know, like two G's more and I, I'm yours, right? They don't care. They don't care as much. They oh, aren't no. so self-confident, conscious about who they are or how they're coming across. And we need to people please. And, you know, like I, I'm a little bit of a different generation, but that's how I was raised is, you know, don't, I have an older brother, for example, we were both in Taekwondo. I was like crushing it in Taekwondo and outdoing my brother tenfold. And my dad pulls me aside and he goes, you got to hold back, baby. You can't, it's hurting his ego. It's hurting his self-confidence. Don't be as good as better than him. 
in Taekwondo. And that's what I was like over and over and over and over again. And so we have to learn these skills. It is upon us to learn these skills. And it's not sleazy. It's not creepy. It's not all these things that you like people want you to believe. It's how we all overcome. Like if you look at how many women are serving in Congress, it's a sales job. How many women are on the boards? It's a sales job. Everything where we're going to create a huge impact is a sales job. If you want to be selling a show, whatever it is, it's a sales job. So learn how to sell. Now, before we get to your, I mean, nothing like the male ego. Wow. there That is just really a special <laughs> moment and a special entity in and of itself. Um, before we get to your um, I'm going to wrap things up with your current endeavor, but your experience on Oprah's couch, what that was like. Okay. So that was when I did not know how to speak. I did not know how to share a story or anything like that. I wish I did because I probably would have leveraged that opportunity way more. But, uh, the interesting thing was, thank goodness is they pretty much told me exactly what to say. Like, your story is going to be like this. Let's rehearse it in the green room. Let's show business people. Yes. Yeah. We're not going to deviate. This is what Oprah is going to say. And it was short, sweet, quick. And that's it. Like, were you nervous? I, I think I was beyond nervous. Like, I think it was, I'm, this isn't real. This is something I'm not even here. I was nervous sitting down with her and interviewing her. I remember that morning I was eating my breakfast, like, and I found her very, I, I say my, like you, I've had two interactions with her that were brief, but I could see why she's so successful because I feel like she has that sort of warm, like she would grab my hand and laugh and make jokes and like be there present with you in the moment. Right. So I could see that. Yeah. There is a special superpower, which you have as well, where you can bring something out of people that they don't normally share. And that's a superpower, right? And she has that and you do as well. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. I so appreciate oh, absolutely. that. So lastly, your current business, I feel like it's very cool because it's fitting and it really captures what you're about, about business, about communicating, about reaching people, about making money. So tell us about, you know, in the last 60 seconds here, um, no pressure, but what it's all about and why it means so much to you. Yeah. So it's, it's private audio. So people have to give you either an email address or a credit card to get access to an audio show. And the audio show can be a private podcast, audiobook, trainings, whatever. The idea is knowledge sharing. You got a special gift. Somebody else needs to learn it. And audio is a way where you can knock it out quickly in a weekend and they can learn it quickly. Like they, they don't have to sacrifice time, sit down and watch it. And people who subscribe, who have businesses, who have coachings, that kind of thing, basically your business allows them to set up like a texting service, right? So they can reach, um, and is that right? They can reach. Uh, so it's a little bit like audible, but okay, a little more where we have automatic messages that can send when somebody hits a certain part of the show. So they 
finish episode three, here's oh, a little gift. Whoa. I'm going to text it to you. So yeah, it's more interactive that way. Awesome. It's H I R O dot F M. Carla White, what a journey like your life here in 60, only 60 minutes. But I just have to say, blonde, brainiac, world domination, period. And oh. I so appreciate you and what you're about. And, uh, you know, you're welcome here anytime. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Taylor. You're the best. <laughs>